Well, hello. Oh, hi. <gasps> it's Halloween. It's spooky Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's what it that's is. That's all we got. Hello, and welcome to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. It is our 58th episode, did I say? Yes. Oh, wow. You did say that. It, and are, it is true. We are just chugging right along here. Uh, we have renewed the hosting, so that means y'all just... fuckers are stuck with us for another year. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but yes, you're right. They are fucking stuck with us. <laughs> um, I feel like I had things I wanted to talk about, but then I forgot what they were, so that's cool mm-hmm. and interesting. Yeah. I got my nose pierced. Yep. That's a thing I did. Got my septum It looks good on you. Thank you. It looks really good on you. It's very itchy right now. Is it really? Yes. Is it itch? Yeah, I think it's a little dry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to clean it less often. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it makes it. Yeah, you dry it out. And it's it's getting colder, so I tend to get a little dry anyway, so. So t- tonight is Halloween. Uh, tonight we had candy out for the <laughs> trick-or-treater kids, and uh, we, or mostly I, or kind of both of us, hid indoors from the the children. Well, I was working until right. about halfway through <clears throat> when I came over here, and then you insisted we <laughs> hide, because I don't know what you think is going to happen, I, but it, you, know, you I, have very paranoid thoughts about this holiday. The, the thing is, it's trick-or-treat. I ran out of treats. I'm not trying to get tricked. Yeah, but like no one's going to break into your home and demand candy. Okay, good point. I did ask you to check that the front door was locked, (laughs) so maybe I'm a little bit over paranoid about it. I think you're a little (laughs) over paranoid. And then when I try to question you on it and be like, I think you're over paranoid, you're like, I don't think you're taking this seriously enough. (laughs) I was like, all right, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know what my deal is. For some reason, this holiday freaks me out a bit. (laughs) It really does. This is weird, but it's weird because there's no other context for this any other day of the year. It is an obligation for you. If you're around, you better have some candy. The thing is, I don't think of it like that because there were always houses that didn't do Halloween. Yeah, I mean, maybe... maybe. Just because they didn't want to. I like doing it. I'm just never around for it because I don't have kids, so I have to work. Right. And I feel bad being like, well, I want Halloween off Mm -hmm. when I don't have kids, so... Right, like you don't have a great (laughs) reason other than I want to enjoy my Halloween. Right, and... This time was kind of my fault because I was supposed to only work until five, which was when trick or treating started. But, um, yeah, you took extra time. Yeah, I was offered extra hours because we had extra hours this week and not even thinking of what week it was. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, give me money. Can I, and then can I tell you the cycles I went through today? (laughs) It was, it was horrible because it started with like, I'm not going to hand out candy, I'm just going to leave my house. It'll be fine. Uh-huh. Well, then I got to thinking about it, and I went, that doesn't feel right. You know, like, kids, you know, Halloween's special to kids. Maybe I should go get some candy. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that you said that Walgreens might have some half-off candy. Mm-hmm. And so I went out. First, I went to Save-A-Lot just to see. They didn't have any bulk candy. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Walmart. I thought I'll get some candy and maybe some groceries. Yeah, but at Save-A-Lot, you can get those really shitty Yoohoo chocolate bars. That's Wait, you? Oh, wait, Yoohoo chocolate bars? Yeah, I've bought them before. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. They're not very good. They're not very good. You're right. And they're not bulk. So I bounced out of there. I went to Walmart. All their candy was still full price. And I'm like, no, I'm not paying for that. And so I left there. I went to two stores and just like took a buggy and put it right back. Then I went to see you at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And it was like, buy one, get one half off. But I'm like, that's still, it's still it's $10 so for a bag of candy. Yeah. So, okay. So what I did was I bought a small bag of candy and I went, okay, this will be, this is enough for the neighbor kids that I actually care about. That's fine. And I came home. And then around 4.30, I was feeling really guilty about it. <laughs> right? You have so much stuff with this holiday <laughs> that I, I don't know. understand. It's weird, like, like tied up sort of baggage around Halloween. Neuroses. I don't get it either. All the neuroses. So then I leave at like 4.45 mm-hmm. to go to Big Lots to see what kind of candy they have. It's basically full price. It's mm-hmm. more or less full price. But at this point, I'm just like, okay, fine. I'm mean, going to just grab a handful of candy. And I, I come back and I scramble to get my little bowl outside set up with a little note and a little little umbrella over the bowl so it doesn't get all soaked and you, with the rain that we had here. All of that in like basically 45 minutes. Yeah. And by the time I got here at like 625, it, all the candy was gone. Yeah. It lasted like an hour. Yeah. It was over $20 worth of candy. Yeah. Just like that. Gone. Yep. Why do we do this? <laughs> what is this <laughs> For little, the kids. Little monster children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We're poisoning them with sugar. <laughs> Evidently. That's the whole point. Yeah, so they can't think straight. Because Nestle needs to see that nice, sweet bump. Yeah, so we don't have the child uprising that... We probably need the inevitable child uprising. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Got to keep them sugared up and dumb. You're, you're suggesting we're quelling the children so they don't take over. Yes. You might be right. I think there's something to this theory that I just made up on the spot. I think if the kids united, they could do some serious damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's more of them than there are of us. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I don't true. think it's true either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there's there's a lot of them. They can be yeah. quite powerful. They can be. They wanted to be. So anyway. That's why we keep them sugared up. I'm all sugared up. <laughs> Remind me who that was. Was it some kid that it ran past you? It was a child who ran past me at Miss Tina's 4th of July party one year, and it was the funniest <laughs> thing I have ever witnessed because it was accurate. Yeah, just a little kid flying by screaming <laughs> that he was all sugared up. Just running as fast as they could, yelling, I'm all sugared up! Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you have that moment where you're like, well, he's not wrong. Yeah. He's, <laughs> it was he's hilarious. very sugared up. It was so funny to me. <clears throat> so, <sighs> so yeah, it's Halloween. It's our last day of Spooptober. Yeah. We really, we barely true. got into Spooptober and it's already over. It's almost my birthday. That's right. It's almost your birthday. Your birthday is in two days. Very nearly my birthday. Your birthday. My birthday. Your birthday. The day I barf. <laughs> yeah. Eh, might be accurate. Uh, and we have some fun plans for that. We're going to head to, what's it called again? Club Switch. Club Switch. And, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show thing a, they're doing. Yep. Which is basically kind of Halloween-y, too. It's a little yeah. bit of a crossover. Yeah. Um, there's so much stuff going on this weekend that I don't even remember what any of it is. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fun. 
Um, but yeah, basically Spooptober has almost passed us. Yes. <clears throat> which is sad. Yes. This will be our last spoopy, intentionally spoopy episode for the theme. There'll be more spoopy episodes. Yeah. Don't you guys worry. You'll we're, get your spoops and your dupes. We're usually pretty spoopy. Yeah. And we're all, there's always some dupes. Oh, I remember what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> the spoops and dupes reminded you? No, I was just thinking okay. some other processors in my brain were thinking about it while we were talking about the spoops and the dupes. All right. Um, so obviously last episode was yes. a very creepy episode about Teal Swan. Yes, it was. And unbeknownst to me, mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts, Ono, Ross, and Carrie, had just released an episode about Teal Swan two or three days before ours. That kind of gets my goat a little bit, as much as <clears> I love them, because it's like you think you're doing one thing that no one else is doing, and it's like you're two days late. Eh, I'm not worried about it. No yeah. one listens to us anyway. I just, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to scoop them, you know? I wanted, I, yeah. wa- I want to have the scoop. Yeah, I get that. We got duped on that scoop. We did. But it is a good episode. <laughs> I'm starting to choke. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It, uh, they have a couple episodes out, and I think there's going to be more episodes coming out about her where they're going to like interview some people. Yeah. Um, I like the way they handle things, I like the way they talk about things. Obviously, they spend more time on stuff than we do. They're more hands-on than we are, so they have the mm-hmm. ability to do that. Yeah. Um, but I really like the way they talk about it. So they come to pretty much the same conclusions that we did, just in not as short an amount of time because yeah. the episodes are, you know, there's more of them and maybe less emotionally on the microphone. You know, they Maybe. might have had emotional response to it that they don't talk about. I don't know. But I had a very emotional response to Jill Swan. I was yeah. very concerned and still am. But yeah. uh, I thought that was a good episode. And they also mentioned another podcast. And I meant to look up the name. It's um, oh crap. Another podcast about Teal Swan. And I think it's just dedicated to her. I think so. And it's by oh someone. We can never hope to be more in depth than a podcast that's just about <laughs> Teal Swan. Right. Just like we're never going to be more in depth than the Nexium <coughs> podcast that just came out. Right. But that's not what this show is about. Yeah. We cover a lot of different topics. Yeah. And we, you know, give a little glimpse. But I feel like we've always encouraged people to, like, do their own research on mm-hmm. a specific topic if it's something you're really into. Because. There's going to be more than what we can talk about in one episode. Yeah, given that we do a topic a week, we can never really get quite as deep as some of these other shows do. Gizmodo's podcast. They have one on Teal Swan. It's called... Just an episode. um, Let me see. It's called The Gateway. No, it's all about her. Wait, the podcast is called The Gateway? Yeah, Gizmodo launches The Gateway, an investigative podcast about a controversial internet spiritual guru. Mm. So that's another one I'd like to listen to, although it's probably going to make me really angry again. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, And I've continued to, like, watch videos of Cameron, like... Well, I guess listen to a video of her being interviewed and mm-hmm. watch videos of Teal Swans and like, mm-hmm. you know, 
I would like to know one of the things that you said when we did that episode was that you just hoped Cameron Clark is doing okay. Yeah. I cannot imagine anyone doing a lot of investigation of Teal Swan without talking to Cameron. Yeah. So I get the impression that we'll know pretty soon whether Cameron Clark is okay. Well, Ross and Carrie alluded to having interviewed some people, and I don't know if one of them is her or not, but I'm kind of hoping. Yeah. But it kind of also seems like she's taken a step back and she, like, said what she wanted to say and that's it. So I don't really know. Yeah. From from what we looked up, I think it was, like, her last post on her blog was, like, in 2017. So maybe she is just done talking about this. Yeah. But I have a feeling <clears throat> you're never quite done talking about somebody that tried to manipulate your brain like that. Yeah. I also realized that she was, like, only in it for, like, six months. Yeah. Which I I just hadn't grasped before, that she just wasn't in it that long. I feel like she just wasn't as indoctrinated as other people. She wasn't as sold on some of those ideas before she came into it. Yeah. And there were parts of it she really liked the idea of, like, belonging to something. Yeah. And then when she realized what was happening, she was like, oh, like, I don't got to deal with this. Right. <laughs> Like, pretty quickly, a lot quicker than some people in those situations. I always have a lot of admiration for the people that are either the first or, like, the loudest to be like, this is wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us go along with a lot of things that aren't all right for a really long time. Yeah. And it kind of takes some spark of conviction to, like, drive us to be like, wait, no, this is not cool, and I'm not going to stop saying that now. There's usually moments that, like, it's a slow build. But most people who come out of a cult, you can be like, what was the breaking point? And they'll be like, this was the breaking point. Like, they know the yeah. thing that finally pushed it over. It might be something really little in the big scheme of things compared to other things they've endured. Mm-hmm. But there's always a moment where you're like, oh, like, this is so fucked up. Yeah, right. Um, that's one thing um, the Surviving Scientology podcast host Jeffrey Augustine tends to do is like, He'll ask, like, hey, I know you dealt with all this stuff, and you just went with it for a really long time, but was there a specific moment? Was there a breaking point? And I'll, there often is. Yeah. And sometimes when you have heard all the horrible things that these people went through, you're like, that's the thing that made you go, <laughs> well, I'm sure. getting out of here. But it's like a slow, like I said, it's just a slow build until finally you're like, Oh, my gosh. Like, one little thing puts you over the top and you see everything for yeah. what it is. Right. But, yeah. Cults, man. Cults. Cults. Um, so, Christy. hmm There's a game I want to play. I'm not <gasps> sure game. if you've heard of this before. So, bear with me. Okay. I'm a bear. I'm a, I'm a bear. I'm a bear. Would you like to play the news quiz, Trues and Fnews? Uh, I mean, I don't really know what it is, but I, yeah. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard of I this. I mean, I've, I've never. Well. You need to tell me. You need to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me. It's time for truth and truth. Time to play truth and truth. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. It's time for truth and truth. Merv Griffin production. Let's play Trues and News. <gasps> Can you tell me how it goes? 
How does I it work? can't. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> Truths and Fnews, our famous news quiz game <laughs> in which I present to you. It's famous? It's famous. Oh, my. I'm everyone, in for a treat. Everyone knows about it. It's Except so for me, a person who's played it 57 times before now. Uh, so, this is Truths and Fnews, a game in which I present to you one true story, two false stories you have to discern for me between the truths, the true news, and the false news, the Fnews, and determine which is the true story. Wow. Yep. I completely understood all of that, and I am ready to play. <laughs> all right, so, <clears throat> here's your three headlines. Determine for me which of these is true. You ready? Uh-huh. All right. Number one, a... Oh, come on, phone. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Everything like locked up on me there. That was kind of weird. All right. So a Bristol UK woman who claims to have slept with 15 ghosts is settling down after being proposed to by a poltergeist. That's number one. Okay. Number two, Indiana's largest pumpkin in this year's Indianapolis Fall State Fair loses the award uh, wins it but loses it after when a family of raccoons is found inside the pumpkin. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Number three, a family dressed as clowns for a block party in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is arrested after bearing resemblance to a nearly identical, identical clown gang who robbed a convenience store three miles away. Okay. I want to recap. All right, recap. Can I can I tell you what my what I wrote down? What you what did you write down? First one is UK ghost fucker commits. <laughs> <laughs> UK ghost fucker commits. That's a pretty good description. Second one is Trojan pumpkin. Trojan pumpkin. Yeah. And last one is clown gang robbing. Those are really great descriptions. <laughs> So the thing is, I have a horrible memory. I will come back to all of these descriptions later and be like, what the what, fuck? What was I talking about? <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's have them one more time. Number one, a Bristol UK woman who claims to have slept with 15 ghosts is settling down after being proposed to by a poltergeist. All right. Number two, Indiana's largest pumpkin at this year's state Indianapolis Fall State Fair uh, wins but then loses the award. When a family of raccoons is found inside the pumpkin. All right. Number three. A family dressed as clowns for a block party in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is arrested after bearing resemblance to a nearly identical clown gang who robbed a convenience store three miles away. All right. All right. Um, so I feel I know the right one. Okay. But I also feel it's because I've read about it. Okay. You waited a really long time to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, people have played along. You don't want to blow it early. Right. So, yeah, I get that. Um, and it's just tradition to have the recap. I don't want to jump the gun here. Sure. Also, I want both of the other ones to be real. Uh, <laughs> Especially the Trojan pumpkin. And pumpkin. Okay. Trojan pumpkin incident. So you don't think it's the Trojan pumpkin? 
I don't think that's the real one. I think the ghost fucker is the real one. Hmm. I feel like I've read about her. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm going to go sure with it. That? Oh, man. This fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. This isn't fun. I'm sorry. It's not fun when you know I it. read a lot about people who fuck ghosts. What can <sighs> I say? Man, I'm so let down right now. I'm, I'm really sorry. Those other ones were really good, though. Yeah, they really, they really put a turd in my spooptober. <laughs> yeah, that common phrase. <laughs> Anyway, no. You could have said like turd in your punch bowl or yeah, something. Well, but yeah, yeah. Turd in your cauldron, even if you want to keep it. I'm not thinking that hard. I'm just bummed out. I'm sorry about the turd. Yeah, I could have tried harder. It's because okay. that, that would that was that's kind of like one of those things. If you read it, you'll never forget. Right. Yeah, and that was like last week. So eh. I didn't read it last week. I've just heard of her. It was longer ago than that, but I've heard of her. Really? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I've just heard of someone else like her yeah, and I think that's someone I've heard of. But I, I bet there's a lot of people who claim to sleep with ghosts. Uh, there's more than one, yeah. for sure. I mean, you know, people are out there. Uh, yes. But anyway, yeah. People that's are the, out there. That's the true story. There's a woman from uh, Bristol who she apparently she had like a human living fiance years ago. Hmm. And then... Claimed to have uh, cheated yeah. on him with a ghost. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then just kept doing that. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saying that she did that for like a while. And yeah. then and then she claimed she was on an airplane with a poltergeist who couldn't go down on one knee because he doesn't have knees. But mm-hmm. he proposed to her and she accepted it all the same. And now hmm. she's getting hitched to a poltergeist. Weird. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> like, like some people do. Like you do on an airplane. <laughs> not like this person does. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention, this has nothing to do with that, hmm. but we received yes, our we did. title. Yes, we did. From Sealand. All this time later because I couldn't get it into the mailbox. You just couldn't do it. <laughs> that only took like a quarter of a year or more. Yeah. But we got it. We we figured it out. Yeah. So um, people at the post it. office were like, this is a weird address. <laughs> Why did you address the envelope this way? Did they send it to you this way? And I was like, yes, they did. And that is how they sent it. So I, yeah, they have like the return address on the back and then like the mailing address at the top left or something on the front. It was weird. The yeah. guy thought it was weird. I was like, I'm not going to explain Sealand to you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what I'm applying for is a piece of land in the middle of the ocean. You understand. (laughs) So this is a land um, that is kind of an island, but it's its own place. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Just just tell me the postage. (laughs) (laughs) So now we have our deed or whatever you call it. It's really just, I don't think it's even a legal document. It's just a piece of paper, but it does claim that we own that little chunk. Well, it's true to me. It's true to me. Um, so anyway. Change my mind. <laughs> so do you want to move on and talk about the middle segment? Yeah. Really? Okay, on to the middle segment. Yes. This middle segment is brought to us courtesy <coughs> of Melissa. Um, as we witnessed the last episode she was on, she is quite good at conversational prompts. Mm-hmm. And so she suggested one to us a couple weeks ago, and I decided to save it for this week. Because it fit with Halloween and the spoopy theme. Yeah. Um, she suggested 
that we talk about ghost stories that we heard in our childhood that have stuck with us, and I've decided to expand it to urban urban legends. Legends. Urban legends, ghost stories, spooky stories that we heard growing up and that we've never forgotten. Okay. So do you want to go first? Um... Well, gosh, I don't know. Why don't you go and give me a template of what I can work off of? Because there's okay. certain things I remember about being a kid that spooked well, me out a lot. I was going to just mention one briefly that I had mentioned before because okay. it is the biggest one that has stuck with me sure. through y- the years. What's that? Um, it's the legend, the urban legend of someone home alone with their dog. Mm-hmm. And every night when they go to bed, <laughs> they their dog sleeps underneath their bed and they yeah. hang their arm under their bed and their dog licks their hand and they know they're there and they feel safe. So they this particular night when they're home alone, they hang their hand down and the dog licks them and they like carry on. But then at some point in the night, they hear a dripping coming from the bathroom. And yeah. so they get up and they go to the bathroom to shut off the water, but it's not water. It's the dead dog hanging from the ceiling or somewhere, and yeah. it's blood dripping onto the floor. Sorry, this is super graphic. And um, <laughs> yeah, this a got message, really intense really fast. There's a message scrawled on the mirror that says, humans can lick too. And that is the story that has inspired me to be afraid of the dark and incapable of hanging my limbs off of the bed <laughs> for the rest of my life. It is scary. It's so creepy. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's, it's like the, the, I think it's like partially any, like most of these stories work because they take something familiar and make it really dark and sinister. Yeah. And also it's like sad because like it's an animal being killed. And so that's another angle that like is like real fucked up. So right. (laughs) It involves a lot of real bad elements. Do you think that's ever happened? No. I don't either. No. Yeah. I don't think it's really happened, but still, yeah, it's permanently in my brain. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of unforgettable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing. I remember, uh, like for some reason, I guess it's because we grew up in the early '90s. But like, there was this whole like like the Satanic Panic thing was still happening when we mm-hmm. were kids, right? Yeah. So, I remember. Uh, where I lived, you know, uh, you know where like Big Lots is here, or where it used to be here in Austin Town. Yeah, and there's the woods right behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, those woods, via like a, a series of trails, connected right back to my neighborhood when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because we were kids on bikes, and back then, you know, you could actually go somewhere on a bike, and your parents not know, and that was mm-hmm. still okay for not a while. if you were me. Yeah, never allowed to drive my bike or ride my bike. Out of the driveway. Yeah. Well, we did. <laughs> we did. That's good for you. This is why I still can't really ride a bike. The thing is, like, <laughs> this this trail went right by and past, like, the, like, St. Joe's Church, like, you know, like, a yeah. whole bunch of, like, very open, exposed places, but it was just a bit back in the woods, right? Wide open spaces. Yeah, Sorry, like I had that. to get it out. Um, so the thing is, I remember finding evidence of like people hanging out in those woods a lot mm-hmm. and I remember the, the, like instead of like like a normal thought would be like oh yeah people are having parties back here and hanging out it was oh there's satanists in the woods oh no like i remember thinking like rituals and shit happened uh-huh. 
in the woods because like because I found a 40 ounce and I'm like, <laughs> yes, oh. the, the ritual of chugging a 40 in the woods <laughs> so your parents don't find out. Well, you know, it's the first step, uh, you know, before, you know, the later steps, which are the devil comes into your body and he takes you over and then you, you know, you're his minion on earth, mm-hmm. you know. We we all know that drinking a 40 is a gateway <laughs> mechanism. To Satan. To accepting uh, the devil into your body. <laughs> I know how stupid it is. But like. I'm, I'm just being glib because it makes it funny. But yeah. no, that's like, that is everything that was on the news, you know? Yeah, like everyone had this sort of like, like the, the, there was, there was the impression being created deliberately. Mm-hmm. That there was all kinds of Satanist stuff happening, and boy, when you see it, won't you shit bricks? Yeah. And there's something about that where once you tell people, they just start to find it or see it. I distinctly remember my mom flipping out at one point because my brother wanted to play D and D. But yeah. then I also remember my brother playing D&D at our house. So I don't know. <laughs> and she was eventually just cool with it. I eventually just went with it. I, I think maybe he was able to, like, explain to her what it really was. Yeah. Or she was like, well, if they're going to invite Satan into their lives, at least they'll be able to supervise. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. At least it's under my roof. <laughs> I can tell that Satan to take a hike when it's too late. But <laughs> When it's too late. <laughs> But yeah, that's a that's a thing I remember. Yeah. Yeah, um so you probably also remember a whole bunch of stranger danger stuff, which I think we might have talked about a little bit. Yeah. Some of that I think might have been legit. I I think it's like it's equivalent to the stories that go around the internet of like human trafficking and like well th- this is what they're doing to get people nowadays and it's like well you can't Say for sure that it is because you successfully avoided it happening. So you don't know if that is really what was happening or not. Yeah. It's not to say it doesn't happen, but it the whole Stranger Danger did a, a huge disservice to children who were abused because we were focusing on strangers and not focusing on the fact that most cases of abuse are from people you actually know. Yeah. And we need to just like teach our kids like what is okay and not okay. Yeah. And like that they get to determine that for themselves. And they also like will be believed when they communicate things like that should be emphasized. Yeah. Right. Of course, like, don't just go with someone you don't know and, like, don't, like, go help someone find a, their puppy or go into a stranger's van for candy. Yeah. But also, if someone makes you uncomfortable, it's okay to say that they make you uncomfortable and you want them to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. Like, both things should be emphasized. But I, I, I think there's... I, I don't know how often that stuff really successfully, I mean, successfully in terms of like someone was actually abducted. Right. But I heard all kinds of stories of it almost happening. Well, I'll tell you, I remember like this almost definitely. Okay. So there's two things that I remember that may not have been connected. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I was a kid, uh, one, there was this weird gray car in the neighborhood, like during the summer one time that was like driving very slowly around the neighborhood. I remember my mom like making us 
stay away from that car and go inside. Right. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> to her, that was suspicious. It was probably just someone looking for an address. Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. No idea what it was. But I remember the thing of like that weird gray car. <laughs> like for some reason that's stuck out in my head. Second incident. And I know I've told you about this before. I remember being in my house. It was also over the summertime. I remember sitting in like the kitchen of our old house mm-hmm. and I could see the front door from where I was and I could see my mom in the kitchen from where she was or from where I was. You know what I mean? So uh, I remember I'm sitting in the kitchen. We had a dog at the time. His name was Buddy. He was my first dog. He was a golden retriever and he was yeah, right on awesome. cue. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bo walks in. <clears throat> so what I remember is I'm sitting in the essentially really the dining room and I see the front door open. And a guy, I don't remember what he looked like, comes in the front door. Like, my dad's not there. It's me, my brother, my mom. That's creepy. Dude comes into the door, just opens and walks in. Buddy freaks (laughs) out, dives out of the dining room over the dog gate that was, like, designed to keep him in there with us. Mm -hmm. Over the gate, the dude freaks out, runs back, slams the door, and leaves. (coughs) That's crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's still upsetting to me because I'm like, that definitely happened. What the hell exactly was going on? Who knows? But it was a home invasion. Yeah. And the dog kind of like saved us. I mean, you can't know what his intent was, but. Yeah, right. Yeah. He definitely came in your house. It kind of can't be great. Like, there's no legit excuse for just walking into a stranger's house like that. The only excuse, the actual excuse would be like, I was not in my right mind and confused and just walked in. But even then, it doesn't make it less intense or bad of an experience for you, you know? It's weird. I like, I'll always remember that. I cannot, I have no idea what he looked like. I cannot remember that. But I remember Buddy going at him. I mean, did you give that dog a treat? Oh, he definitely got treats. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm in it for. Well, yeah. now that you're mentioning this kind of topic, I remember uh, when I was much younger, we went to, we were raised Catholic, so we went to CCD. And mm-hmm. I don't remember all the details of why the topic came up, but I remember there being like a white unmarked van that was like often there. It was someone that went to church there, I'm sure. It was probably, probably like their work fan yeah but we like had this whole story concocted (laughs) about this unmarked van and what they were doing with it me and my brothers like i remember that distinctly but even at that young age still like kind of making fun of it and poking fun of like right we were like half serious half not about it right um and i also remember like our parents being very strict about like if you were home and our parents weren't home, you answered the phone, you could not say that your parents weren't home. I remember that too. You had to make some kind of excuse like uh, they're not available right now or like they're in the bathroom or something, but not that they aren't home. Yeah. And this got my brother Randy into trouble with the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I might remember you mentioning this, but go on. So they called and they were looking for my mom to talk to them about my something my other brother did. Yeah. And we also, to give a little bit of background, and I might be confusing two stories, but I don't think I am. Okay. I don't know. 
And there's a lot of police happening, I guess. I don't know. Okay. But no judgments. Um, <laughs> my dad has a fairly common name, and apparently there was at least one person with that name who was he had like a warrant out for him. Okay. So first and last. Yes. Okay. So stab in the dark. The police would call the house all the time, just hoping it was that one right. and be like, hey, is this this guy? And we continually have to be like, no, <laughs> you've wrong got the wrong one. one. So then um, we also had like a lot of prank calls, too. So the people, it was just like the time when you could print call. Oh, yeah. Caller ID wasn't a thing yet. Ah, what a glorious time. So people time. would call and pretend to be the police and hang up. <laughs> it was probably my other brother's friends is, most is of the time. Running? Yeah. So uh, my brother Andy answered the phone and they asked for my parents and they weren't there. So he said, like, they can't come to the phone right now. Yeah. And they pushed him and he was like, no, they can't come to the phone. And they just thought he just wasn't putting them on the phone, and they got really angry at them. And then I think my brother also, I don't know if there was another time when he thought they were pretending, like when they thought it was a prank, or if it was the same call. Yeah. Not quite sure. But basically, they got mad at him for that. (laughs) And then either that time or another occasion, he thought it was a prank call, and he hung up on them, and they also did not like that. They must have thought that, like, this outlaw is having his children <laughs> answer the phone as no. like a lie as like you'd be like no he's not he no can't. this wasn't in relation to that like they weren't calling looking for my dad that time oh and then he hung up i'm just saying that but to like give you background that like we were used to the police calling yeah. and then it not really being for us okay or the police calling and it really being a prank so randy thought it was a prank and then also he would not say that our parents weren't home I think at least on one of those occasions, the police ended up coming to the door and yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> they were more mad at him than the original reason they were trying to get a hold of our parents. And I'm yeah. like, there's something wrong here. Why are you like this, police? That's odd. Yeah. Weird. Weird stuff. Um, we kind of got off the topic of yeah, scary stories, so I'm going to bring it back. I remember um, the story of the woman... And the, this woman gets married. She always has a ribbon tied around her neck. Never I know removes what it. This is. Never removes it. And then finally, after they're married, like her husband begs her to, you know, you could take it off yeah. when we're married. And finally, eventually wears her down <laughs> and she does. And her whole head basically falls off. Wasn't that in Scary Stories to Tell I the Dark? I think it was. I, I think, love that book. I think a lot of. The ones that stick in my head and stick out to me are from that book. Yeah. Because it was like, I think the 90s were a time when we delighted in this stuff. And we had so many books that Mm -hmm. we had that. We had um, Tales from the Crypt. We had, Mm -hmm. um, what was the Nickelodeon show? Well, we had Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, R.L. Stein books. All those haunted Ohio books, which are specifically about our state. A lot of those came up in the mid-90s, late-90s. Yeah, so much stuff that, like, we just wanted to be scared. I think there's something about, like, when times are good or even too good. Like, people are like, yeah, scare me again. I'm (laughs) I'm just bored. Give me something to be afraid of. Remind me what that was like, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, we keep doing it no matter how yeah. bad times get. I just like think that scared, was a specific uh, era because yeah. it was much more like book emphasized. Now we're in an era of like scary movies and stuff like that. But yeah. it was very much like books and tall tales and TV shows. Yeah. It's not about he, just like stories by word of mouth too. Yeah. Or people's ghost stories. I particularly like urban legends and like creepypasta, which yeah. is the internet form of urban legend. Sure. Do you have any other ones that stick out to you? You know, I okay, so I don't believe in ghosts. You don't either, right? No. Um, but I'll never forget <laughs> It'd be my real gr- funny if I did and this is the moment <laughs> that I admitted it, but no I don't. I remember my grandma telling me her ghost story. Grandma Dragowski. Mm-hmm. She had this story. I think I can't remember where it took place, but she had a guitar, and or was this my dad's? Hell, I can't remember whose story this is. I remember the story was they fell asleep in bed, right? Mm-hmm. And they woke up in the middle of the night to hear the guitar playing, hmm. which is you know spooky enough. Yeah. And then they opened their eyes and sat up. At the foot of the bed is a ghostly kind of figure playing the guitar. Hmm. And when they kind of shook it off, the guitar dropped dead to the ground. Yeah. I always <laughs> like that story because there's something about like the thing of like the guitar falling that makes it extra good, I guess. Yeah. And also it's not necessarily like a bad ghost. It's just a ghost having a little play of a guitar. <laughs> ghost just, uh, you know, cranking out some jams. He just missed it. Just having a good time. He hasn't been corporeal in years. He, he loves to He loves to rock. Yeah. I, I like that one. I like it, too. I kind of wish I had a ghost story. Yeah. Or I knew someone with a ghost story that I could retell. I, <clears throat> I've i seen people I, tear up telling their ghost stories, which yeah. is the most interesting thing about them, is that when people have one, especially mm-hmm. a really intense one, I mean, they get they get messed up talking about it. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of instances of, like, sleep paralysis, and I could totally see... Where someone would think that is a ghost. Right. Because it's like you can't you can't talk, you can't move, but you're like seeing these things. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's usually like a shadowy figure in the corner and I can't get away from it. And I'm trying to yell for help, but I can't. Yeah. And it started in college that these started happening. And I could really, really see why someone would think that was a ghost yeah or why they call it you know the hag of like super creepy super scary but i for me i absolutely know that it's yeah it's sleep paralysis and it's always the same kind of thing except for once i had a pleasant sleep paralysis experience (laughs) and i told you about it because i don't know why it ended up being a good one I was over here, so you were in bed with me, but I also knew that it wasn't really you. But I had like a sleep paralysis event thing, but then it was you, and you were like bathed in this white light, and you were like very calmly like, hey, it's okay. Like, Oh, that's really nice. Sleep paralysis, but you're fine. And I was like... Oh, okay. Oh, and thanks, I like thanks, Dave. Calmly, slowly came out of it and woke up, and you were like laying next to me. I'm like, that 
was really <laughs> weird, but pleasant. Hey, girlfriend, just here to let you know. <laughs> you um, were literally like, yeah. if I believed in angels, you were like angelic. Gandalf like, the white. Bathed in white light. And I was like, okay, this is real weird. <laughs> I love that. Like, hey, girlfriend, I saw you were having a bad dream, but it's cool. Just, just relax. here to tell you this is sleep paralysis, but it's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> so strange. I had two nightmares last night. Oh no, you have nightmares a lot more than I do. I have them all the time. Last night, twice in the middle of the night, you were here. I woke up and I turned the lights on in panic. Do you I do not this remember either of those events. I think both times I was convinced people had broken into the room and were gonna kill us. Oh no. Which is why. <clears throat> Which is why, like, I don't You're know. You're, like, it's, super paranoid yeah, today. Like, well, like, yeah, I was paranoid today. And also, I never don't sleep with the door locked. Yeah. I don't think that's normal for everybody. No, that's not. Most people probably don't lock their bedroom but now, door. Like, I've never, ever locked my bedroom door. But now yeah. I'm, like, used to doing it. Yeah. So used to doing it. That even when like you're not there yet, yeah, and I make a mental note not to do, not to lock the door, you I me fucking out lock time. you out of the room. <laughs> it's not. I've done it multiple times now because I just am so. It's muscle memory. I'm yeah. so used to doing it. I don't. Yeah, I know it's not normal to do that, and I, I know also that like if someone breaks into your house, they're gonna get into your room. So what? If the they point? want to get in your right. room, they'll get in your room. But just it feels extra safe. But if you have nightmares, like. Twice a week, three times a week, where people are breaking into your room and yeah. killing you. <laughs> you lock the bedroom. Yeah, you you all you have a lot more nightmares than me, but you yeah. have sleep issues. Yeah, that's true. And In you general. like sleep talk, and you've sleepwalked before. I don't have as many sleep issues. Have you ever seen me sleepwalk? I can't remember. I don't think you have. I've seen you sleep sit, like sleep sit up. Oh yeah, and you've definitely sleep talked to me. Right. Um, not as much now. I can't remember the last time I sleepwalked. It's been, it's been quite a while. I remember you telling me about like waking up in the living room and being like, what the fuck? My, my favorite one, I don't think I've told it on this podcast, was I had a dream that I was looking at the moon. Yeah, you've told me this <laughs> I one. I told you. And it was like shifting. So like the crescent was on the <laughs> left and then the crescent was at the top and the crescent was at the bottom. And I'm like, what's with this moon? And then... I slowly wake up and I realize what's happening is I'm out of my bed. I <laughs> level with the doorknob and I'm just moving my head around it going, whoa. <laughs> like, the reflection um, is moving around. Um, that was like the so weirdest. Funny. Yeah. 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 I had back before you got like your CPAP machine adjusted. Yeah. Obviously you would like fall to sleep quicker and. And in a deeper sleep than I'd realize you were in because you were still engaging in conversation with me. Yeah. At least to some extent. And I remember multiple times getting really pissed off at you because <laughs> all I wanted was for you to put your sleep mask yeah, on. Just put it so on. So we can go to bed. Yep. And literally one time it was like a 30 minute conversation of me being <laughs> like, hey, put your mask on. And you would, you always say stuff like, <laughs> Um, you make a good point. 
It's like, yeah, and then nothing I don't care. else. Just do it for minutes, and then I'd give you like a minute to like put it on, and you wouldn't. I'd be like, Dave, just like put the mask on, and mm-hmm. you're like, Well, I could do that, and I'm like, no, <laughs> just do it. Yeah. And then finally, I remember one occasion, I just got pissed, and I had to go take a shower. Yeah. So it was like fucking fine, and I like go to walk out of the room and you woke up and you were like, you woke up with me mad at you and us being in an argument with no recollection of why, because you were being a dick in your sleep. Yeah. (laughs) It was so frustrating. Once I'm, once I'm out, I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. But that doesn't really happen as much now because. Right. Got that sleep therapy under control. Yeah. Much, much better. And also, I try to catch you sooner. Be yeah. like, yeah, it's done. Put the mask on. Mm-hmm. You're getting sleepy. Yeah. No, if I go into the void, I'm not coming out. Oh, man. it's it, Nothing is more frustrating than <laughs> trying to, like, just not want someone to die in their sleep and having them be like, well, you make a valid argument. <laughs> no, that's like how, not what it's how about. How dare you? <laughs> hey, you know what? I think it's time we take a break. Okay. So why don't we take a break here, and we will be back in a minute with the main segment for this episode. All right. All right? Uh-huh. All right. Stick uh-huh. around. So, episode 58, we're back. We're back. Do you want to introduce it? No, you know what? You do it. Because I, right. I think this this is a topic you meant for me to do, right? No. And that, and that I didn't? No. I mean, it was on the list, but it was for anyone. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, but you go ahead and introduce this. Yes. Uh. So, Dave, you and I have talked just earlier today about, you know, what this podcast is to us and how, you know, we kind of deliver bite-sized chunks of information Mm -hmm. and we always mean for it to be something that like, if you're interested in the topic to like use it as a jumping off point, because there's no way we can really, especially on the bigger topics, cover everything. Yeah. This is one of those topics. (laughs) Um, There's so much information and it's so cool. And no matter if you're like a skeptic and don't believe in ghosts or you want to believe in ghosts or you do believe in ghosts, it's really interesting. Yeah. So um, we've mentioned them in passing, but our topic is Ed and Lorraine Warren, the famous ghost hunters. Right. Even if you don't know their work, you know their work. And you will know what I mean later. Okay. Um, Ed was a World War II Navy veteran and a former police officer, and he became a self-taught, self-professed demonologist, an author, and a lecturer. That's a great title, isn't it? Yes. Lorraine was a clairvoyant and a light trance medium. And I like to imagine that the conversation between them went something like this. Ed, (laughs) honey... I'm done being a police officer. I'm a demonologist now. We're going to be ghost hunters. Lorraine. Perfect. I'm a clairvoyant and light trans medium. <laughs> so. Just like that. Yeah. And very natural. Perfect. 1952. They founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. Um, 
you know, uh, N-E-S-F-P-R. Uh, <laughs> As we all know it. Yeah, the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've written six books, at least. They've been mentioned in more. Um, those books are Ghost Hunters, True Stories from the World's Most Famous Demonologists. Mm-hmm. And some of these books were like, Written, someone else wrote it, but with their input or stuff like that. Um, Ghost Tracks, Graveyard, True Hauntings from an Old New England Cemetery, The Haunted, The True Story of One Family's Nightmare, Satan's Harvest, and Werewolf, A True Story of Demonic Possession. So naturally, we need to get all these books for the bookshelf. Um, naturally. Uh, they Like I said, they've been featured in many books and movies. I'll touch a little more on that later. Claim they claim to have investigated over ten thousand cases. Oh my god, that's so many. Um, and they also have the Warrens Occult Museum. It was in Lorraine's home in Connecticut, like in the back of her home. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's currently closed due to zoning because it was like in the back of her home, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're trying to find a new location for it. At least that's what it says on their website. Yeah. Which is warrens.net. That's W-A-R-R-E-N-S dot net. So they said they've done 10,000 of these since, like, what, the 50s? Yeah, 10,000 cases. Yeah, so that's like, that's what, like, <laughs> that's like 20 a year or something, right? Yeah, it's doable. All right. Um, and Ed did pass away in 2006. Oh. I believe Lorraine is still alive, but I don't know how active she is in investigations. It does okay. seem like they're still... The museum and the website seems to be pretty up to date. Actually, not a bad website, not a bad webpage. Wow. Pretty decent. You know, I, I, I would doubt, expect it to not be good. I doubt that they run it themselves. I'm sure they have people helping them because they do have their organization. Right. Um, I want to talk about notable cases, and this is the meat of this. Okay. And this is where you're going to realize you know the warrants. Okay, cool. So I picked two. On the Wikipedia, there are at least four or five. Like big on ones. Their, yeah. On their website, they also, which I got a lot of information from their website because I wanted the story, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And they actually do a really good job of telling the story on their website. It's not always written by them. It might be written like an actual, like, adapted from an article someone wrote on it mm-hmm. that they've put on the website. But... um Pretty well done, actually. So that's okay. where I got a lot of this information. At least they document what they're up to, even if you even if you're not totally sure about what they're claiming. Yeah, they document pretty well what yeah. they did. So this one is Annabelle. In 1970, uh, Mom buys a Raggedy Ann doll from the hobby store for her daughter Donna, who's about to graduate from nursing college. Donna shares an apartment with her friend Angie, and uh, Donna places. The doll on her bed, not really thinking about it. Um, the doll is creepy. It <laughs> moved around the house of its own accord. It wrote messages that say things like help us and help Lou. And you'll figure out who Lou is a little bit later. Okay. Um, the messages were written on parchment in like a child's handwriting, which was particularly strange because Donna didn't keep parchment around. Like it's not something that kind of paper wasn't something she just had. According to her, um, she came home to find the doll on her bed one day and was just like particularly frightened by it. 
and there was blood on the back of the doll's hands and chest. Oh, that's particularly Um, frightening. Yeah, so they decided to contact a medium and hold a seance. They, as, as the article puts it, they decided to contact a professional. Sure. And they contacted a medium and held a seance. Um, during the seance, it's revealed that the doll is inhabited by the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, who's a young girl who lived on the property of that the apartment was built on. Um, her body was found in the field when she was seven years old. She said she felt comfortable with Donna and Angie and she wanted to stay. So Donna and Angie gave her permission to inhabit the doll and stay, I guess completely forgetting about the creepy blood shit. <laughs> I guess so. So Lou is another friend, a male friend, who is staying at the apartment. The article leaves out if he's like a romantic interest of either of them, but it says that he's been there since the doll was there or since before the doll was there. Okay. Uh, he never liked that doll. He's not he's not into this whole like, oh, it's just a little girl and inside a doll and she likes us thing. He's like, uh, no, he <laughs> wants Donna to get rid of it. Um, one night he had one of his recurring bad dreams, but this one was different. Uh, he felt like he was awake, but he couldn't move, which I wrote sleep paralysis. Sure. He looked at his feet to see the doll glide up his leg to his chest and then it stopped there. Sleep paralysis. That's how it goes. Um, The doll strangled him and he passed out, woke up in the morning, convinced it was real. He wanted to get rid of the doll. Naturally. (laughs) The next day he was preparing for a road trip with Angie and he heard they hear wrestling. They it says they noticed the the apartment seemed eerily quiet, but that's a detail you could kind of fill in later. Sure. They said they heard rustling from Donna's room and they were afraid someone broke in. So they go to check. Lou goes to check and he sees the doll on the floor in a corner. Um, and he's looking around and he doesn't see anyone, but he feels like there's someone behind him. He turns around and there's no one there. But suddenly he grabs his chest and he's bleeding. His shirt is stained with blood. He has seven distinct claw marks, three vertical and four horizontal. Oh, my God. They, at some point in the article, they refer to this as the mark of the beast. Um, <laughs> okay. They all felt like hot burns, but they healed very quickly. They were fully gone after two days, which is convenient. Sure. For anyone who wants evidence of this, like, demon attack. Apparently, yeah, right. You know? That's a very quick heal time. And, <clears throat> you know, like, you you definitely still have some, some red marks, wouldn't you? So Donna finally believes that Annabelle is not a child spirit. Um, but something much more terrifying or de- demonic. I wrote mm. denomic. <laughs> okay. Denomic. So they again go to a professional, Father Hegan, an Episcopal preach. Preach. An Episcopal <laughs> priest. <laughs> she says what's happening. He's a preach. He's a preach. He, do- he did a heckin' preach. Um, <laughs> and Father Hagen uh, decides, yeah, there is something spiritual going on here i'm going to contact a higher authority which is father cook and father cook naturally contacts the warrens because the warrens are a higher authority than a priest (laughs) versed in these spiritual issues that's a good point it's just like well you know it's it's time to break out the big guns so apparently they'd worked together before or something so he reaches out to the warrens um, they conclude the doll was not possessed, but being manipulated by an inhuman presence because spirits can't possess objects. They possess people, mm. but they can attach 
to objects and manipulate them. The spirit really wanted to possess a human host. Again, I wrote dynamic. Man, something was wrong with me when I was writing these notes. <laughs> you know, it was denims. We, we hear a lot about. The I was threat possessed of, by denims. We hear a lot about the threat of demons, but we never think about the denims. No. And the denims, they're, they're out there. They're just as bad as the demons. Yeah, they're floating around, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, so they have Father Cook do a, rec- a recitation of an exorcism blessing okay. um, as a sort of cleansing. This is a like a seven-page document. Wow. Um, That's a lot of reciting. Yeah. The Warrens take the doll uh at Donna's request, they say. Yeah. Um, they felt the spirit was still manipulating the doll and tried to make the Warrens crash their car on their way home, making it swerve. Um, at one point, Ed, to stop the attack, reaches into his bag while he's driving, grabs a vial or a bottle of holy water, and douses sure. the doll. Uh, it stops for the rest of the drive, and they get home safely. Then they have the doll in their house. It starts moving again. Um, at one point, Father Jason, who was probably affiliated with their group, mm-hmm. it seems like they have a lot of people in and out, a lot of different um, professions and things who are a part of their ghost hunting group. Okay. Um, so Father Jason picks up the doll and says, you're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. Um, Ed warns him that's the last thing you want to say to that doll. <laughs> and on his way home, Father Jason is in a nearly fatal car accident, um, supposedly because of the spirit manipulating so the doll. This is interesting to me in particular because there's a lot of details you could make up around these stories. Uh-huh. But some of the factual details that are... Well, this is more... all coming from their website. I have no outside, like, yeah. no documents of, like, the, a police report saying there was an actual car accident for this yeah. Father Jason guy, you know? I guess I shouldn't give it too much credit, but it's just, like, there's certain things that if you care what people think about you, you would probably not thoroughly make up out of whole cloth. But it's also, if you really believe things... It could be really easy to, like, trick yourself or, like, rewrite yeah. details later on. Yeah, right. Um, So they, they build a special case for Annabelle to keep her in, and she is on display at the, the Warren's Museum thing that they have. Oh. Yeah, which is why I kind of roll my <laughs> eyes when, like, at Donna's request, they take the doll. They yeah. take this artifact and put it in a museum. You know, there's there was an episode of Black Mirror that was all like a museum full of creepy artifacts, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of that. Of like, yeah, it's like it's like a like a tourist trap. It's like a. This is one of the big haunted doll stories. Like this is one that people think of. Yeah, and there are multiple movies based on it. There's the Annabelle movie, and uh-huh. then Annabelle Creation, which is like the origin story. Yeah, and then The Conjuring is there was, also. There was a Netflix movie called The Boy that was kind of similar to this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a babysitter is entrusted with taking care of a porcelain doll. <laughs> yeah. That increasingly demonstrates some kind of consciousness about it. I haven't seen it. It's creepy. But you told me it was creepy. Yeah. So that is Annabelle. Okay. It's one of the big ones. And I actually saw, I think it was Annabelle Creation. Even though I hadn't seen Annabelle. Or The Conjuring. <laughs> but I saw it with Melissa wanted someone to go with, so me and Aubrey went with her. Yeah. It was it was a good spoopy movie. I'm just not like, I don't believe in this stuff. And for right. me, I'm pretty good at separating like, 
fact and fiction and I'm like, yeah, it's a scary movie. It's a good movie. But like, yeah, I have a good separation. You are not good at. So even though you know it's fake, you right. are really affected by that. Like stuff. I, I know what things are obvious, not uh, obvious BS, but I yeah. also they feel real enough to me because my imagination sucks that way. Or it will, it'll. And your imagination's too good. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Is it's it's cruel to me. Like yeah. that will feel real to me. Imagination, you're cruel to me. <laughs> the okay. next story I chose because also you'll know it, Amityville. No kidding. Everyone has heard of Amityville. They went to that. They went to Amityville. Uh-huh. So November 13th, 1974 in Amityville, New York, uh, Ronald DeFeo, I'm assuming it's pronounced that way. It's I spelled so. D-E-F-E-O, uh, runs into Harry's bar in the middle of the night and screams that his parents were shot and killed. Uh, the police discover the bodies of six DeFeo family members, mom, dad, and four out of their five kids, mm-hmm. um, all face down, shot in the back of their heads. Ronald claimed he wasn't home when it happened and only discovered the bodies of his parents before he he fled to the bar and made his announcement. Uh, the police find a case for a thirty-five caliber Marlin rifle in Ronald's room and eventually DeFeo confessed. After a lengthy trial, he's found guilty uh, and given six consecutive life sentences. Um, some people um, kind of consider, like, they, they're not quite sure how he did this, how he was able to um, overcome five family members or six family members Yeah. Um, all by himself and also how no one heard a gunshot, but... My argument to that is not the first time it's happened, not the fucking last. Yeah, that's true. I Who knows exactly how he did it, but also he's like a, a family member. He's a trusted <clears throat> person. Yeah. Or who knows if he had help in that he never ratted that person out or, you know. Well, here's a, here's the thing, too, is like if you hear a gunshot in your house, especially if you're a child, and this, that's yeah. such a horrible thing to think about, but you probably stay put. Yeah. If he was to... You might not even... If it's the middle of the night, they're probably sleeping. Yeah. So you could at least creep up on your parents and get them before anyone even knows what's happening. And then the kids are probably scared. And like you said, stay put. If they even are able to place what's happening or that it is a gunshot because you've been woken up out of a sleep in the middle of the night by a loud noise. Yeah. And that would be disorienting. Right. It's an upsetting thing to think about, but like yeah. basically there's a very reasonable methodology to this. Yeah. So whatever exactly um, how it happened, it did happen. Um, in December 1975, so 18 months later basically, uh, the Lutz family moves into the DeFeo home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a Catholic priest come to bless the home and w- while they were unpacking – he sprinkled holy water into one of the upstairs bedrooms and is doing like little blessings and whatnot. And he hears a voice say, get out. So he hastily does. <laughs> well, that's what I do. And this was in uh, Mark and John DeFeo's room. So the priest doesn't tell the Lutz family what he experienced, but he does give them an ominous warning um, not to use the upstairs room as a bedroom and not to let anyone sleep in that room. 
Okay. Um, so they they heeded his advice because I guess you just don't question an ominous warning from a priest, and that became the sewing room. Okay. <laughs> you know, honestly, even me, I feel like I'd be like, yeah, that's too creepy for me. I'm going to put like a right. pool table in there or something. Also, I'm not entirely sure based on this telling of the story if they knew what happened there. Right. They kind of made it seem like they did because they said something about like it was a steal. Like they knew how good the price was. And right. also then like you have a priest bless it. So maybe they were aware. And I know that modern laws require disclosure if someone dies in the house or like if someone's killed in the house or there's a violent crime. Yeah, but I think even then it is pretty limited. They they don't I forget what the laws actually are, but Yeah. I, I don't think they have to be super explicit. Right now they do. Maybe do they? maybe they didn't. But yeah, if someone's murdered in a house, they have to tell you this. Yeah. Otherwise it's if someone you just like dies normally, I don't think they have to tell you. Yeah, right, exactly. Um but immediately the family starts to feel strange sensations in the home. Mm-hmm. Within days they um, experience personality changes that are pretty drastic. They The parents uh, start having arguments. George, the dad, is constantly cold, so he's constantly feeding the fireplace. Um, he has a change in his grooming habits. And he and his wife Kathy's health that starts to decline drastically. Did it say what the change was in his grooming habits? No. He just says there's a change in his grooming habits. He's just kind of like going downhill. Yeah. Maybe he used to shave every day and now he's not shaving. That uh, kind of thing. Okay. But also, if you're cold all the time, it would help to have a beard. I don't know. I'm making all this up. <laughs> that's, no, that's pretty good reason. But I mean, I don't even know if he did, if that is a change that he was talking about. Yeah. It was very vague. Um, their young daughter spends all her time in her room. I think they have multiple kids, but they only really mention the one daughter and not by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's spending all of her time in her room. She has an imaginary friend uh, she calls Jody, who is a red-eyed pig. Not weird at all. <laughs> Jody can change shape and size. At some point, she's been described as being larger than the house. Uh, Jody also claims, the imaginary friend claims that she couldn't be seen by anyone unless she wants them to see her. Okay, that's creepy. They also experience mysterious foul odors, black stains on toilets and toilets and ceramic fixtures. Uh, Kathy was touched by an unseen force. There's green gelatin substance throughout the house. Ectoplasm. <laughs> Naturally. There's flies um, in the sewing room in the winter time. Yeah, that fly thing is, like, associated with Amityville, right? Like, the, yeah. the Amityville horror, like, the, the flies are, like, a big... Yeah, which makes sense considering there's also, like, foul noises and weird substances and stains and mm-hmm. just this very, like, decay kind of Yeah, like the kind theme. of gross things that draw flies. Uh, George woke up nightly at 3.15 a.m., which is the time the police thought the DeFeos were m- murdered. Um, At one point, George awakes in the middle of the night to witness Karen transform into a 90-year-old hag. The next night, she begins levitating off the bed. I don't know how he knew she was specifically 90 years old. Maybe he asked her. (laughs) Um, Sure. Maybe. They try contacting the Catholic priest that had originally given them that warning and blessed their home. But every time they try to contact him, the phone's cut out. Mm. Um. 
so they take it in their own hands and they walk through the house of the crucifix reciting the Lord's Prayer. They supposedly hear a chorus respond asking, will you stop? Uh, finally, on their final day, uh, there there's lots of banging and rapping as loud as a marching band. Uh, emanates throughout the entire house. Furniture is being moved, like, of its own accord. Uh, the children are being terrorized. So after just 28 days, they can't take it anymore. They grab a few belongings, and they leave. They go to Kathy's mom's house. Oh, my God. So 20 days after they leave, uh, Marvin Scott, who's a news reporter with Channel 5 New York, calls the Warrens. Apparently they had worked together before. Okay. Um, so they gather some reporters, investigators, and parapsychologists, you know, their whole team, and they meet at the home. Uh, during this investigation, Ed is pushed uh, to the floor in the basement. Lorraine senses a demonic presence or a dynamic presence. <laughs> um, she has psychic impressions of the DeFeo's bodies. Um Laid along the floor, covered in white sheets. At some point, she is physically pushed back by an invisible force. Hmm. Um, they encounter an image of a spirit that's a little boy peering from the second floor. Uh, they discover that the land that the house is built on was once used by John Ketchum, who was a practitioner of black magic, and he was buried on that land. John also, catch them, huh? Yes. You gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Also, the Shinnecock Indians uh, had an enclosure on that land that housed the sick and the mad. And those people were left to that to die there at that enclosure, apparently. <clears throat> I hear the furnace kicking on. Should I go kill that? Eh, we're, we're getting close to being done. Okay. And by that, I mean like another page. Okay. Um... Uh, they also say that negative history is a magnet for demonic spirits. Um, and the Warrens retrieved the deed to the house and other belongings for the Lutzes. They sell the home. Ev event they sell the home, but eventually the home is sold for $950,000. They bought it for like 88000 or something. Oh, my God. No so kidding. The home was sold for $950,000 in 2010 and was on the market at that point point when they wrote this article. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. Um, no further incidents have been reported in the home. You know, I remember that they had sold the house and left. Yeah. But that's a I think really, that's how the movie ends. <laughs> that's really telling detail, isn't it? Yep. 900,000. Uh, touch on it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just, that's a um, big markup. In 1977, they released the book Amityville Horror. In 1979 and in 2005, um, there are movies and inspired film series based on it. Uh, the Warrens' specific telling of this event is portrayed in the opening sequences of The Conjuring 2. Oh. Um, there is a book called The Amityville Horror Conspiracy written by Stephen and Roxanne Kaplan. And in that book, they characterize this as a hoax. Okay. Benjamin Radford, who's a writer and seemingly a skeptic, um, believes that the the story was refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. Okay. In 1979, a lawyer named William Weber stated, or supposedly stated, that he, 
Jay Anson, who wrote the book Amityville Horror, and the occupants of the house invented the story over many v- bottles of wine. So uh. a lot of people consider that to be a big hoax. Um, the Warrens yeah. always insist that it was not a hoax. And they still have it listed on their website as one of their investigations. That's where I got this whole story from. You know, the thing is, though, the parts that the Warrens were there for or that they claimed are also, like, a lot less dramatic. Yeah. You know? Like, like when you look at that, <clears throat> the entire haunting or whatever you call it, all the really juicy stuff... Was, you know, can't really be verified because yeah. it happened to the family. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, there is a group called the New England Skeptical Society. Or Ness. Yes. You can kind of consider, consider this like the skeptic equivalent to the Warrens group that they have in New England. Yeah. Um, so two individuals, Steve Novella and Perry DeAngelis. Mm-hmm. Um, decided to do an article, or a little investigation on the Warrens. To you know, they're skeptics. They want to see what is really up. Yeah, right. So they describe the Warrens as pleasant people, but they they found their claims to be, in a quote, at best. And this is a weird quote. I think it's taken too out of context. But okay. at best, as tellers of meaningless ghost stories, and at worst, dangerous frauds. Yeah. Um, they took the $12.50 tour that the Warrens <laughs> offer. Oh, so they went to the, they went to the, the house. Museum. Okay. And they look at all the evidence <clears throat> um, for spirits and ghosts. Yeah. They watched some videos. And their conclusion was that it's all Blarney. Um, Blarney? They, they, yeah. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> you know, I love the word Blarney. And I'm... So often, you know, how often do you use it? I'm Not super intrigued with... I, I recently spent some time on Google Maps looking at the Blarney Stone because I still don't really understand what it is. Mm-hmm. You ever seen what it is? Is it like a stone that's worn smooth? No, it's like part of a wall of an old castle. You got to stick your head out a gap in a wall like mm. several stories up. And you gotta kiss the underside of a wall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. I would never do that. Anyway, that's what. That's, Too afraid heights. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I think I know people who've done it though. Yeah. Um. So yes, uh, they they witness common errors with flash photography. Okay. Um. They say they have the worms have lots of fish stories of evidence that got away. Mm. Um. Novella said they're not doing good scientific investigation. They have a predetermined conclusion, which they adhere to literally and religiously. Yeah. Um, Lorraine's response, she says the problem with Perry and Steve is they don't base anything on a god. And my response to that is, <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, like, that's not. That's, you're, you're not disputing their issue with you. I, that's I, their issue. That's with reinforcing you. the issue. Yeah. And th- not that like you can't be objective and believe in God. And there's plenty of like scientists who sure. do have some religious some beliefs. Some really good ones. But you're not <clears throat> contradicting anything they said about you by saying, well, yeah. you know, what your problem is. You don't just have blind faith in things that can't be proven. Th- this is probably not an extremely controversial statement to skeptics, but like. Everything scientific that happens, you know, uh, 
in the investigation or in the head of like a person who believes in something like this happens as like like a non-overlapping part of them. Like science is science. Yeah. And you can be religious and be a great you, scientist, um, but those don't like overlap. Compartmentalize. Exactly. You know? Um at another quote from I think it's from Novella. It takes work to do solid critical thinking, to actually employ your intellectual faculties and come to a conclusion that actually reflects reality. That's what scientists do every day, and that's what skeptics advocate. Mm. Um, So these are kind of people of our own hearts. So they, they come to the conclusion that though the Warrens seem genuine and like they really believe in the things that they're saying... And I, I think they are like, I, I don't, obviously they have made money off this stuff, kind of tend to believe that they do believe in what they're doing. Um, they aren't objective. It's not scientific. They do make some money off of it, whether or not they're intentionally manipulating people or manipulating facts or not. Yeah. Um, it is not legit. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Like, the, the you know, the thing, like, what it screams to me in a big way, what they're doing just feels like a, like, building out a career of their own fascinations, which yeah. is cool, but, like, getting that mixed up with any kind of actual investigation or science isn't really fair, Yeah, you know? and there's a lot more cases I didn't touch on. Um, didn't have time for all of them. There's more information on um, the Wikipedia on them mm-hmm. and their own website, warrens.net, that you can look at. Um, it's all very interesting, but I, there's, like I said, there's some stuff I didn't even mention of like cases where it seems like they insert themselves in a case that they weren't really involved in. Or, like, oh. later kind of, like, claim that they were more involved than they really were. Oh, really? Like, stories, like, I think that's one of the movies, one of the Conjuring movies that, like, makes it seem like they were involved. And in reality, they weren't really involved. And they had gone to try to get involved and were turned away. So, stuff like that where maybe they, they make some claims about their involvement in things that they weren't really involved in. That's actually really disappointing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure on all that about how much involvement they have. But basically, yeah. then, you know, it's ghost stories. Well, it's just like, it's it's sad to think that, uh, you know, that like, okay, so there's there's a couple of different ways to inflate your own relevance yeah. But making yourself seem like you were there for stuff that you weren't is kind of like the lamest of those, I think. Yeah. You know? But also it's like, it's the way it was depicted in a movie. Yeah. Right. And like, Lorraine was a consultant on this movie. Like, they're they're trying to make a movie, though. You know? Yeah. So yeah, a, who yeah. knows how much control she really had over it or how much she was pushing <coughs> to say, you know yeah, we did this and this and this, or or who? Yeah. Who knows? Really, that said, I would go to their museum. I, I, would, I hope I they relocate it. They better yeah. keep that Annabelle locked up. I don't want no creepy <laughs> doll following me home. Creepy dolls are especially creepy, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm, don't like them. Yeah. Like I, like, I remember my, my dad bought my sister this, like, uh, sort of porcelain doll kind of thing for Christmas one year. Oh, one of those ones that the eyes open and close? 
No, not even that. Although she okay. had one of those. I had one of those. This was like a little doll that was kept in a glass framed display case. Like it was like it was like uh it's not like even a doll to play with. It's like a doll to display. I never got that. I don't really either, I guess. But but he still has it. And mm-hmm. still it's still in glass. And that thing gave me the willies. It still does. Yeah. I I think it's creepier when it's a doll that's meant to be seen and not touched because that's not what dolls were meant to be for. They were meant to be played with. This was like a collector thing, I guess. Yeah, but it still is so creepy (laughs) because of that. It's like, oh, this thing's just watching me because I'm watching it. I think, yeah, that's the thing. The fact that it was in glass was like. Yeah, it becomes like a forbidden object. Yeah, you're right. That's what it is. It feels like you're not supposed to touch it or play with it. And then. Because of that, it's like it's more important or it has some kind of yeah. like power, I guess. I Very know. strange. It is strange. Yeah, creepy dolls. Not, <laughs> into them. Not into them. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's the Warrens. No kidding. So much there. So much. I wanted to do more, but I already had so many pages just on two stories. Yeah. And like I told you, the telling of the stories will go pretty quick. It's just a lot of like detail. Yeah. But I feel bad that so he's much. passed away now and that like, you know, I'm just now finding out about them. I wish yeah. I been, I wish I'd been aware of their whole thing while he was still. But like alive. I said, you you knew of them without really knowing of them. You're right. Yeah, you knew the stories they'd been involved in, yeah. the investigations they'd been involved in because they have seeped into pop culture so much. So the local skeptic society considered them at worst frauds and dangerous even. And I didn't see any more. I didn't go looking for their original article that they wrote or or anything like that. So I didn't see any more details of why they would even suggest possibly they're dangerous frauds. Yeah. But I, I get where they're coming from there. Like at their most innocent, they're just very misguided. Sure. And. Entertainment on some level. Yeah. And. And at their worst, they could be defrauding people because yeah. let's not forget that they do take money for their services and they offer themselves up as experts. They're That's the people the that the priests go to yeah. and reporters go to. So th- there's yeah. something to be said there that like these these are people in a moment of weakness who are very afraid. Yeah. And they go to the Warrens. And if the Warrens don't really believe what they're doing, what they're doing. Um, and they don't think it's true, then, yeah, they are just defrauding people, and that would be messed up. You know, it's easy for people like us, I think, to forget the fact that people take stuff like that really seriously. Yeah. You know, like, I I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, whatever. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt to say, like, I do think the Warrens really believe in this stuff. Sure. Because I'd rather believe that, like, you know, they're just, they're not intentionally misleading people and defrauding them. Um, but it, that's kind of a thing that would be difficult to prove how much someone buys into their own thing. We've talked about this before Yeah. when we talk about like Alex Jones and stuff, Right. how much does he really buy into the things he says? Not really a good way to prove it. Yeah. Right. Like the only way to know that would be to like, like have some kind of like, like a hidden microphone conversation that, you know, that some kind of polygraph test or something. Yeah. Right. Even those aren't accurate. So uh, I'm willing to say that they, they do believe they did believe the they, things that they did. Probably. Um, at least on like 
the most obvious level, mm-hmm. you know. But I wonder how many conversations it takes between <clears throat> a couple of like convincing themselves of certain things. Oh yeah, I I think it's a really easy in in situations like ghost hunting stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like an amped up situation. You're nervous. You're yeah. excited. Adrenaline's going. It's easy to hear things you don't really hear. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say you felt a push. Yeah. Or you saw a spirit in the form of a boy. like, Or you felt a chill for that matter. Like, yeah. I just got one for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's And it's easy to interpret these things that could just be really common things. Like, I don't know, you walked past a cold spot because of the vent's there or something. Sure. But no, it it's because this is a very haunted room. Yeah. Or, you know, that you can interpret stimuli any number of ways. This is why it's so important for us to check, you know, like our experiences and what we what we feel and witness against reality and against the yeah. most the most plausible and simplest explanations for those things. Yeah. And also than, like oh no, finish your thought. No, I was just gonna say rather than like put those experiences in the feedback loop of what if yeah. and build some kind of fantastical conclusion out of them. Yeah. And also, I don't believe in ghosts, but I want to. Like, yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? It's fun. I like the spooky stories. Like, I don't want to be a killjoy, like, mm-hmm. and I don't want to take that away from anyone else. If you <laughs> believe in ghosts, like you believe in ghosts, I know we have friends that do. But I, for us, I like I just can't because I haven't seen anything convincing personally yeah. or experienced anything convincing personally. If you have, it would be harder to be skeptical about it. And I understand that. But I don't want to, like, take that away from someone. And I don't think I could, you know. Yeah, if you, sure, you If couldn't. you are all in and you believe that, I'm not – me saying I don't believe it isn't going to make you not what, believe. What we're really trying to say is happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Enjoy Here's your, your two spoops. favorite killjoys here to say happy Halloween. Enjoy your spoops and your dupes, whatever form they may take. Might be a self-spooping dupe. Maybe you got spooped. It turned out it was you that spooped you. Then that's the you, ultimate dupe. You duped yourself. Yeah. You done duped yourself. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. <laughs> I do feel a little bad. I do feel a little bad on Halloween being... Skeptical about things. It does. I don't. In a way, it feels a little sad. I think there's a little bit of sadness to developing this mentality of dismissing away things for perfectly sound reasons. But here's my thing. Like, do you know what I mean? The way I, I justify being skeptical like this is the fact that I do want to believe in it. Yeah. If it's actually true. I think it's so much cooler if it could be proven. Sure. Or or if it can't be disproved, you know? Yeah. So it's like I'm I'm in it because I really do want it to be real. And just nothing has passed the test for me yet. Right. So it's not like coming in to like stomp on someone's good time. It's coming in to appreciate this story and be like this one didn't pass, but maybe the next one will, and I hope it does. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's the thing we don't talk that much about on this show, is that we would be pretty delighted to find something thoroughly inexplicable, because yeah. that's great. Yeah. It's just that 
It hasn't happened for us yet. Yeah. It doesn't mean it won't. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it probably won't, but it could. Yeah. And if it does, we'll be here. Yeah. Being all excited about it. Exactly. So I guess. Happy Halloween. Yeah, that's our Halloween episode of Goose This Chase. has been our self-justification of why we're cynical, <laughs> skeptical assholes. Right. This is why we, we're, we're, we're all no fun people. You've been listening to that. Why? <laughs> yeah, why? Why do you do this? Why? Why did you do this? <laughs> you could have you could have sat down and watched a movie. Sweetie, you could have just watched a scary movie. It's Halloween. You could have watched Scream. It's on Netflix. Honey, why are you listening to this Sweetie, it's Halloween. Have fun. What are you doing? Why do this to yourself? (laughs) You're so much better than that. All right. All right. Well, anyway, this has been our (laughs) Halloween goose chase. Goose chase. Thanks for listening. We will be back. To be killjoys (laughs) another day. Yes, we will. Have a great week. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 